Remember, you can stay up to date on the latest news with the Irish Independent WhatsApp channel. On the latest episode of Real Health with me, Carl Henry, I'm delighted to be joined by international best-selling author Heman Sunim, telling us what to do when things don't go your way. When we are, you know, very young and have a first love and the first love did not work out, we feel as though this is the end of the world. However, we learn that is not the case. We move on. We find some other people. So we begin to see that uh, when things don't go your way, uh, maybe it's not the end. As ever, we're available on all podcast platforms. Just to flag that today's episode contains content that some listeners may find distressing. Today on the Indo-Daily, from media mogul to monster, the downfall of Harvey Weinstein. A nightmare. Literally a nightmare. And, and you will never be the same. But it was consensual, right? I don't know about you, but when you've had consensual sex, you don't really fill up with tears afterwards. For decades, he was among Hollywood's most influential, a mega movie producer, darling of Tinseltown and untouchable. I just want to thank my agent, Kevin Uvain, and God, Harvey Weinstein. Harvey Weinstein. Harvey Weinstein, who had the guts, the courage, the commitment. Especially Harvey Weinstein, a man of dedication and vision. Uh, Harvey Weinstein. But behind closed doors, Harvey Weinstein used his power and privilege to target, harass and sexually assault young women working in the industry. I fought with this volley of no's, which he ignored. Who knows, maybe he heard them as maybe, maybe he heard them as yeses. I'm Siobhan McGuire, and with Harvey Weinstein's second sexual assault trial underway this week in a California courtroom. This is the second time Weinstein is facing trial on allegations of rape and sexual assault. They are bringing in what's called prior bad acts. Evidence not brought, not uh, testified to by the accusers themselves, but by other people that will Mm. essentially show that, hey, this Weinstein guy, he was doing this to other people. This episode of the Indo-Daily looked back on the events that led to a conviction of rape and how those women he long silenced are finally being heard. It's nice to see you all again. It's been a while. This year, many spoke their truth and the journey ahead is long, but slowly a new path has emerged. Joining me today is the Irish Independence Entertainment correspondent, Melanie Finn. Melanie, I want to look back at how this once powerful media mogul became so reviled. Remind me of where Harvey Weinstein is at the moment. He is currently locked up and he's been in a prison in New York since 2020. This was after a case found him guilty on two of five separate counts. Now, he was acquitted on um, the more serious charges, but he was found guilty Um He is, in fact, appealing that, but he is currently behind bars um, while they are waiting for that. But separately, there is a second court trial, um, and this time it's on the other side of the country in California. He's facing 11 sexual assault charges for alleged attacks against five women, and these are charges dating back to 2004 all the way up to 2013. In a city where he was once known as the king of the Oscar, disgraced Hollywood producer Harvey Weinstein is back in court this week, 
facing his second rape trial. This day has, is long overdue for Mr. Weinstein to appear in a Los Angeles County courtroom on these very serious charges against him. He's 70 years of age now. Apparently he's not in great health. Um, he's in a whole world of trouble and it couldn't happen to a worse person, to be honest. It has been an awful long time coming for Harvey Weinstein. Can we look back at his childhood, where he grew up, um, his family? He was born in March 1952 in Queens, in New York City, as a child of Jewish immigrants. It was himself and his brother, Bob. Um, even from very early age, he had a reputation as being a bit of a thug acne, not very popular, bit of a bully even back then. So kind of the, the seeds were being sown for the person who would be go on to become one of Hollywood's biggest predators, essentially. He initially finished college. He was a music promoter, but he wanted to get into making films. So himself and his brother went in, on to set up Miramax in 1979. And quaintly, it's a combination of their parents' names combined. My mom always wanted it, you know, that you know, her son's name a company after her. That was basically the starting off point for him. Um, and as we know, he would go on to produce some of Hollywood's biggest grossing movies, most popular movies and most iconic movies. And they, a lot of them have really stood the test of time, Siobhan. I mean, some of my favorite movies were produced by Miramax. Goodwill Hunting, Shakespeare in Love, Sex, Lies and Videotape, of course, Pulp Fiction. And Goodwill Hunting was the one that really put him on the map because it made huge Hollywood stars out of Ben Affleck and Matt Damon. Exactly. And these are two guys who can, in their own right, open movies. He bought Goodwill Hunting and we shot it in 97. And I did five movies in quick succession. He signed me up for a three picture deal and I didn't work with him again after that, but um, I was there kind of at the, that was the height of his power. And that was his legend. That was his whole kind of MO. Like you, you know, could you survive a meeting with Harvey? Could you stand up for yourself? The 1990s, early noughties, they were really the golden era for independent modern day movies. Um, they're ones that college students will repeatedly watch time and time again. Um, collectively, they have won 81 awards films produced by Miramax and they've been nominated for over 300 Academy Awards. I mean, it's just, you can't overestimate the impact that his production company has had on the movie industry. Um, so from a very, very high lofty perch, he has come tumbling down. He was this massive Hollywood heavyweight. I mean, his name was synonymous, really, with successful movies, as you've just pointed out. There was this clip that Quartz did um, compiling all the Oscar speeches that basically thanked Harvey for his great work, his input for choosing them. Harvey and Bob Weinstein, you also break my heart with your uncensored passion. Harvey Weinstein. Harvey Weinstein. Harvey Weinstein. Harvey and Bob. And Harvey and Bob Weinstein. Thank you, Harvey Weinstein, for putting your heart behind this film and shining the light on this. I, uh, I want to thank the Mishpuka Weinstein. Yeah, he's been the most thanked person in Oscar Academy history. But of course, you also have Gwyneth Paltrow then subsequently turning around and alleging unwanted advances from him. Um, so he would have made the careers of a lot of actors um, as, as I said, like highest grossing movies, but also most acclaimed. Like he's won Tony Awards, he's done plays, he's done he's done it all really with his production company. He had a huge wealth of talent. Essentially, he was the toast of Hollywood. He had the whole industry at his feet. And the only person really responsible for what happened next was himself. That's uh, the thing, Melanie. He was untouchable. 
unstoppable. And yet there was this open secret in Hollywood that there was something sinister going on Mm. behind closed doors. I mean, I would say, you know, behind scenes, he really spearheaded the term casting couch. And you have to remember that these are women. They're very young. They're in very temporary positions. The movie industry is notoriously badly paid. There's no permanent contracts. It's very hard to speak out and say, hang on a minute, you know, they're not empowered. They have no positions of power. And he deliberately picked women um, who were young and vulnerable and didn't really have a voice at the time and weren't in positions where they could stand up and say, no, don't do that. How could you? He basically owned Hollywood. I thought he was a war hog from hell. I thought he was terrifying looking. I thought he was the single most ugly person I'd ever seen in my life. And I had two movies. I'd signed up to do two movies with him. And Were you we, afraid that the movies would be canceled? Or I you was would be, afraid. Yeah, sure, because this was a good thing. And so around five years ago, uh, around the same time, um, the, the Me Too movement became this landmark movement. And they kind of went hand in hand in terms of Harvey Weinstein's downfall. Hashtag Me Too started last month after dozens of women in Hollywood accused producer Harvey Weinstein of rape and sexual assault. October 5th would be a very significant uh, date in Harvey Weinstein's life. And this was the day that the New York Times published this article. It was by two female reporters. So it detailed decades of allegations of sexual harassment against Weinstein. Um, Primarily actresses Rose McGowan and Ashley were the ones that went on the record um, to make these allegations stand. I also talked with my dad and when I talked with my mom, I told her what I was thinking about doing and she said, go get him. And instantly there was a reaction. It wasn't like people turned a blind eye. They didn't care. It was like finally the cat was out of the bag. And so Mel, you mentioned October 5th. And so this was 2017 when two reporters really broke open the story in the New York Times. And next month we have a new movie portraying exactly what happened and, and how it led to the exposure of Harvey Weinstein. People have tried to write this story before. He kills it every time. Harvey adamantly denies any allegation of assault. He played people. He was a master manipulator. Will you give me just one chance to talk to you? Are you sure that this isn't just young women who want to sleep with a movie producer to try to get ahead? I believe it's out next month. It's called She Said, and it's going to star Carrie Mulligan and Zoe Kazan as the two New York Times reporters, uh, Megan Toohey and Jodie Cantor. They wrote the expose um, on Weinstein um, that will bring him to justice eventually and fuel the whole Me Too um, reckoning. So it's kind of like a modern day Watergate, you know, and the fact that it was two female reporters who worked tirelessly, like for months and months, some months to get it over the line is just amazing. There had been rumours and allegations for years, but this was the first time that they actually had enough to go on. Thanks, of course, to those actors um, and those people who worked for him for going on the record. He's, I don't think you can describe him as a sex addict. He's a predator. That's different. He's, uh, as it were, the top of the ladder of is uh, a system of um, harassment and uh, belittling and bullying and interference and what what my mother would have referred to in the olden days as pestering. 
Is he pestering you? We had a big magazine piece in the New Yorker and it was written by Ronan Farrow, who is famously Mio Farrow's son, who was once married to Woody Allen, who was the centre of his own allegations. Um, and this was 13 more women. And there was three accusations of rape, which again, Weinstein strongly denied. He denied everything you know, as he would. Um, but there was also two A-listers, Gwyneth Paltrow, Angelina Jolie. They say they were harassed by Weinstein. And uh, Paltrow said she was propositioned as a 22-year-old while Jolie had referred to a bad experience in her youth, but she didn't name anyone. We had one instance in a hotel room where he tried to, where he made a pass at me. And then I really kind of stood up to him. I told my boyfriend at the time. Brad Pitt. Brad Pitt, who... By the way, I love him for this. I love him for this, too. You told him, hey, Harvey just did something really weird. I, it was so fantastic because what he did was he leveraged his fame and power to protect me at a time when I didn't have fame or power yet. Right. Wow. It moves you. Yeah. It was, it was fantastic. The whole House of Cards started to fall down. The organization behind the Oscar votes um, said they were going to expel Weinstein, you know, and that was the start of the, the death knell in his, in his movie career. Um, and then shortly after that, we had um, the whole uh, Time's Up campaign and the Me Too movement um, in early 2018. And it wasn't just confined to Hollywood or America, indeed. Uh, we had accounts from women all over the world on social media trending for months and months and months about unwanted harassment um, allegations of, of everything from inappropriate touching or comments right up to serious sexual assaults. It was an avalanche in terms of a reaction. Hollywood had never seen the like. No one had ever seen the like. It finds, in terms of social justice campaigning, it was a huge whim for the women involved and also men. You can't. You have to remember that they have also been subjected um, to unwanted allegations and unwanted advances. We have to be helped by men. It's important to know that not all men are predators. There are good men and the good men have to stand up and defend us and, and embody other ways of being. We have to believe the women who come forward. We have to speak out. I found out about Harvey about a year ago, and I'm ashamed that I didn't say anything right then. Why didn't you? You're so bold. I, I, I was not that bold, <laughs> because I guess it hadn't happened to me, and so I didn't feel it was my place. And uh, the details, uh, you know, very disturbing details uh, that came out from these women recounting their their stories of meeting with Harvey Weinstein. And they would be uh, simply going to um, a hotel thinking they're meeting this huge titan of Hollywood uh, to maybe sit and have a cup of coffee in the lobby to talk about their career and then suddenly find themselves being sent up to a hotel room, a penthouse uh, where, um, you know, there, there are stories of Harvey answering the door um, in, in wearing just a towel, answering the door in a dressing gown, answering the door naked. Really horrific accounts. Really horrific accounts. I interviewed one of his Irish victims, um, a woman by the name of Laura Madden. 
and she was one of the people who went on the record against him and she said um, she was very young at the time she was working for Miramax she just started off it was in a hotel room in Dublin he was over here making into the west and he invited her to his hotel room to tell her what a great job she was doing um, he asked her to give him a massage it turned out that he started massaging her he coerced her into the shower with him um, she just remembers breaking down in tears locking the door while he insisted it would never happen again um, she stayed with the company for eight years after that but she said it never left her it kind of haunted her forever and she said the reason why she was speaking out she told me that she had two daughters of her own and she said how can I tell them to stand up for yourself and not put up with this kind of unwanted abuse when I don't do it myself and she said I, I did it for them and this is the thing, Melanie, um, you know, uh, lots of people talking about what happened uh, with Weinstein and uh, the women he abused. They would say, oh, well, it was a different time. Um, and even some of the women themselves would say, you know, was it my fault for walking into the room? Was it my fault for going along with it? But really, they didn't feel they had any choice and there was nobody there to kind of defend or back them up. Whereas Harvey was surrounded by people who were saying, yes, Harvey, you're right, Harvey, that you won't get into trouble, Harvey. Well, we know now that he made a lot of those young women sign NDAs um, and is also alleged to have made uh, payments. These are women, like I say, who would have been a very low, low rate to pay anyway. Um, and it's already happened. So, you know, why not? But then um, we found out later as well that many of his former employees used to say to each other, we'll go in twos or threes. You know, there was like a secret pact between them, you know, never go up to his room on your own, leave outside the door if you can't like it was so widely known what he was doing how he was abusing these young women um, that it was an open secret but it was an open secret that no one would do anything about so it must have been incredibly frustrating for his many many victims and we know a lot of them haven't even come forward they're rather like I just want to forget about it it's very highly publicized I don't want to get my name you know dragged out there because they might even have told their closest relatives what happened to them um, I mean it was wide, widespread abuse it was terrific, really. You know, Harvey would talk to me about women that he'd had affairs with. I didn't necessarily believe them, quite honestly, because to believe them would be to believe kind of the worst of some actresses who were friends of mine. I knew he was an You know, I mean, every, he, he was proud of that. And the court case in New York, that was hugely high profile. That's right. Yes. Yeah. So he was found guilty. There was five charges and eventually he was found guilty of kind of the two of the lesser charges, which is third degree rape, um, which is like an American term. Um, but I think it was a huge it was a huge day for, for his victims. You know, many of them came out and hailed it as justice for women, justice for those who were abused by him. Um, and now we have the second um, court case. And I'm just I, I can only I can only pray that they'll come to the right decision with this. And he's still denying everything, isn't he? He is, of course, yeah. And he's lawyer he's lawyered up to the hilt now. Seventy years of age. He has the best legal team that money can buy. He's never really admitted much. He made us kind of feeble um uh, I, I don't know if you'd even call it an apology, a feeble attempt to explain his behaviour. You know, he said he misbehaved you know, he'd done some naughty things, but he'd never actually come out fully and accepted what had happened or said that he needed counselling or apologised in any way to his victims. No, 
No remorse. I mean, it's kind of telling back in 2018 that he must have realised the game was up because he did hand himself into place. He did. He did. Um, But like Harvey Weinstein, such a recognisable character, like where was he going to hide? There was nowhere left to hide. Um, So yeah, I mean, he did hand himself into police, but he must maybe get an inkling he was going to get away with it. Who knows? You know, he is that arrogant. First offense. We also actually heard from Harvey Weinstein, who stood up and showed very little remorse in the comments that he made. He did say he had remorse for the women who accused him of these crimes, but he went on to say that he was the first in the Me Too movement and that he fears it led to thousands of men, in his words, not getting due process, saying that he basically making the leap that he did not get due process himself in this situation. The judge showing no mercy here. This is a tough sentence, more than many people had predicted. And so now we have this trial in California. And, you know, if he's convicted, he'll face uh, 140 years behind bars. Yeah, I mean, he's 70 now. So, you know, if he even serves 20, I guess, you know. Um, so, yeah, 11 counts of rape and sexual assault. And these are charges from five alleged victims. Um, and he's continuing to appeal his New York rape um, conviction. Uh, and there's also additional assault charges against him in the UK. So we'll have to wait and see what happens there as well. And it has kind of opened up a wider discussion in terms of how women are being treated and indeed men in the, the film and entertainment industry Um Melanie. Well, I mean, even in Ireland, Siobhan, we had um, Arts Minister Catherine Martin launch an initiative last week. Um, and this is to support those 55,000 industry workers in the arts. And they can anonymous, anonymously report abuse um, ranging from inappropriate comments all the way up to unwanted touching um, and alleged assaults. They can do that anonymously, but there's also a 24 hour support line for people working in the arts because it's widely acknowledged that they are among the most vulnerable and susceptible to this kind of behaviour. Everything now is based around written contracts, about consent, about what the actress and the actor indeed are comfortable with. Everything down to how the scenes are set. You know, when they were filming normal people, they had an intimacy coach on it the whole time because all the actors are quite young. Scenes are very explicit to make sure that they felt okay with doing this. But it's not just unique to the movie industry. It's gone like worldwide, any industry now has to have very, very stringent procedures and policies in place to deal with this kind of thing. Um, because it's widely acknowledged that people, young women are very um, afraid to report it. So they need backing and legislation to be able to come forward and say these things without worried. They're worried about losing their job, which they could have grafted to get um, and are, you know, deemed to be in a lucky position to have in the first place. So there can't be that kind of idea that you have to put up with this kind of behaviour because if you don't, there's 10 women in the queue outside the door who will take your place. That that attitude, that's gone. The only place for that kind of predator um, behaviour is for a person behind bars. And my thanks there to the Irish Independence Entertainment Correspondent, Melanie Finn. I'm Siobhan McGuire and today's episode of the Indo-Daily was produced by myself, researched by Tabitha Monaghan, with sound by Gavin Hennessy, archive clips from NBC News, ABC7, Quartz, CNBC, ABC, PBS, the Academy Awards, Sky News, The Howard Stern Show on Sirius XM and independent.ie. 
If you enjoy the Indo Daily, don't forget to like, follow and leave us a review.